today, for the last five weeks, we've been doing this series called Forgotten Virtues. And basically, it's been like a treasure hunt where we're going through the Word of God and we're, we're finding these virtues, we're dusting them off, and hopefully we're applying them in our lives. Some things that I think our culture has forgotten. Things like, uh, say, humility. Like, how would the world be different if we didn't demand to be right all the time and actually preferred others above ourselves? That'd make a big difference, wouldn't it? If, if we just had this one virtue of humility working in our hearts. What about uh, loyalty? Do you know we often treat people like a paper plate? <laughs> when we're done using them, we crumple them up and we just throw them away. But how could our friendships and our families and our marriages look different if they were built on the foundation of loyalty? That, Brother Ron, no matter what, I'm sticking with you. And you've stuck with me through a lot of things. For 20 years we've known each other. No matter what, we're going to stick together. We're going to be loyal to one another. Even if we fail, I'm going to love you through your failure because that's what loyalty does. How would our world look different? What about honor? The virtue of honor. If we just took this one virtue from Scripture, we could change the world by simply honoring one another. The Bible contains this treasure chest of these forgotten virtues. But the one I want to talk to you about this morning is gratitude. Everyone say gratitude. We're going to go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and one of my favorite stories, verse 11. It's a favorite story, but it pierces the heart. It says, Now it happened as he, the he here being Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now, the reason that they're standing afar off is because they have to. They have to. These men have the most dreaded disease of the day, leprosy, and they're forced to what we would call extreme social distancing. In fact, they could not live inside the city. They, they had to live outside, and they couldn't live with their families. Imagine this. There's, there's no cuddling with your wife. There's no hugging your own children. These men were outcast, and they're considered unclean. But as Jesus is passing by, they spot him afar off, and they begin shouting. Everyone say shouting. They begin shouting to Jesus. Look at verse 13. It says, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You see, these men have a tremendous need. Therefore, they lift up a tremendous shout. I love the fact that their shout matches their need. At this point in their life, Jesus is their only hope. Therefore, they're not ashamed to cry out to Him. They're not afraid to express their need for Him. They don't care who's looking. They don't care who's listening. They need Jesus, so they cry out to Him through a shout. Do you know there is power in a shout? You do know there's power in a shout because it happens at your house. Right? And, and when a certain shout in a certain tone at a certain moment is lifted up in your house, it changes the entire atmosphere of the family. One shout 
from a baby can change everything. Yesterday, uh, Dave and Sophie, our, our, our kids are over with the grandkids, and, and all of a sudden we hear a shout coming from the other room, and, and, and the baby had got his hands in the fish tank. Come on, somebody, change the entire atmosphere of the home in a split second. Now, we also know that a different kind of shout can change the entire atmosphere in the home. When you're angry, when you're offended, when you're upset, you can let out one shout and everything changes, right? There's power in a shout. Well, I want to tell you this morning, church, there's power in a shout of praise. Psalm 95 says, shout unto God, all you people, clap your hands, all you nations. (laughs) There we go. The reason that we come in here and we have musicians and singers and we lift up our hands and we lift up our praise isn't because I can't preach for an hour. It's not because we need some filler. It's because there's power in a shout. There's power in praise. God said to Joshua, he said, take the children of Israel, take them to Jericho. Jericho was a city that they needed to take, but there was a problem. There was a huge wall around Jericho. That wall was so thick and so wide that historians tell us you could erase two chariots side by side on top of the wall of that city. And you know what God said to do he said march 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 they just walked around it they walked around it they walked around it but when the time was right he said all right tell to the children of Israel to lift up a shout and as they shouted the walls came down Listen, some people say, preacher, it's not my personality to be loud in church. It's Listen, God is bigger than your personality, and he's worthy of our praise. So when we come into the house of God, we ought to lift up a shout of praise. There's power in it. Their praise matched their need for a miracle. Man, there's power in it, and not just here. There's power sometimes. When you get so frustrated, instead of shouting at your dog, shouting at your cat, shouting at your plants, shouting at your broken refrigerator, shouting at your husband, you ought to walk outside and shout to the Lord. I'm going to preach it even if you don't believe it. Because there's power in it. They see Jesus passing by. They've got a big need. They've tried everything else. No one else can meet their need. And they shout, and it gets his attention. Look at verse 14. Now when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Very interesting. As they went, they were cleansed. Jesus doesn't do what he often does. He he doesn't lay hands on them. He doesn't say a prayer over them there's there's no kind of ceremony like that there's no kind of action like that he simply says go show yourselves to the priest and the the word says as they went they were cleansed he gives them an instruction and they obey sometimes our healing comes in the form of our obedience sometimes our healing sometimes our breakthrough sometimes our victory sometimes our success comes simply in the form of our obedience. If God tells you to do something, do it. And as they went, they were healed. Now listen, the the reason they had to go to the priest was because in this day, the priest would have to inspect them and look at them and make sure there were no signs of leprosy, and then he would announce them clean. 
But even though there's, there's no initial evidence that they've been healed, Jesus says, start walking, boys, and they start walking. Now, I found this to be true. An object in motion is always easier to direct than a couch potato. Right? Some people, some people say, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting. But you do nothing while you wait. <laughs> Get up, move. The Bible says, he will bless what you put your hands to, but you got to put your hands to something. The Bible says the just shall walk by faith. So many times we're paralyzed by fear. We just, we just stay still. I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay still. Listen, I'm not encouraging anybody to be stupid, but I'm saying when God tells you to start walking, just start walking. Just obey him. There is such a blessing on the other side of obedience. Somebody say amen. Now look at verse 15. And one of them said, or, or and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. He returned to Jesus and with a loud voice. There's, there's, there's that loud voice again. With a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him, Jesus, thanks. And he was a Samaritan. It means he was even, he was outside the covenant of God. He was, a, he was a foreigner. He didn't even belong there. But he knew well enough that he ought to come back to Jesus, fall on his face, and thank him. Not only did his shout match his need, but his gratitude matched his miracle. His gratitude matched his miracle. This man has been healed of leprosy. His entire life will be totally different now. And the first thing he does is to return to Jesus and express his gratitude. Our virtue today is gratitude. And our first point is this. Gratitude must be expressed. If you're thankful, you've got to show it. If you're thankful to God, you've got to show it. If you're thankful to your spouse, you need to show it. If you're thankful to your pastor, you need to show Come on, somebody. <laughs> no, but I'm saying gratitude, you can't keep it inside. Sometimes I think we're thankful, but we don't show it. We don't express it. And unexpressed gratitude is like an unopened Christmas gift. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a wasted opportunity to express love. Some of you didn't get it, I know, because you're hungry. Unexpressed gratitude is like leaving the last chicken wing. Don't do it. Just take it, eat it, and enjoy it. Somebody say amen. See, now, now I'm talking your language. But really, when, when we don't express our gratitude, it's a wasted opportunity to show love to someone. And this guy returns to Jesus. He falls at his feet. He worships him. You know why? Because worship is the love language of God. Worship is the love language of God. It's one of the primary ways we tell him that we love him. And when we're expressing gratitude to someone else, we should do it in a way that speaks love to the receiver. Everyone know what the five love languages are? Anyone ever heard of this? Four of you, the rest of you, get the book. No wonder your marriage is in such trouble. But we all receive love in a, in a certain way, okay? One of them would be acts of service. And so if, if, uh, if you mow somebody's grass, I mean, to some people like, oh, dear Jesus, they blessed my heart, they mowed my grass. They're so excited because you did an act of service to them. All right, husband, maybe your love language is acts of service, but your wife's is quality time. Well, you can't show gratitude to her in your love language. 
If you were to be excited about someone washing the car, that doesn't mean your wife's going to be excited about someone washing the car. Maybe she wants you to sit on the couch with her, but you spent three hours out there washing the car. You come in and say, honey, I just did something to show you how much I love you, how much I appreciate it. I washed your car. She says, I've been lonely for three hours watching a Lifetime movie where the wife was so lonely she killed her husband. You're not connecting. You've got to find out what that person's love language is. That's the way that you express gratitude. God's love language is worship. And he falls on his face at the feet of Jesus and he worships him. He shows his gratitude. Verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? And then he says this, but where are the nine? Again, remember our story. He heals ten lepers changes their lives but only one returns one praises one worships one thanks him for giving him his life back and as he's there on his knees giving thanks jesus looks around and he says where 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 are the other nine that question pierced my heart this week only one man returned to thank him And we might assume that Jesus would dismiss their ingratitude. I mean, Jesus was a busy guy. He was dealing with a lot of people. He had a lot of things going on. We might assume that he didn't give these guys another thought. But if we assume that, we would be wrong. Because on the contrary, Jesus looks at the thankful one and he says, Hey, 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 where where are your buddies? Where are your friends? Where are the other nine? The question tells us, that Jesus was hurt by the ingratitude. You see, yes, he's God, but sometimes we forget that God has personal attributes just like you and I. God can be hurt. God can be offended. Do you know that? We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can, we, we can push him away from us sometimes. And, and ingratitude is one of the things that does it. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. It, it, it shows this picture that like if there's a gate here and the presence of God is over there, the key that unlocks the gate, it ain't your money. It is your praise. It's your thanksgiving. It's your gratitude. If you want to get to the presence of God, you've got to have a grateful heart. Jesus is, Jesus is bothered by their ingratitude. Verse 18, he says, Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? (laughs) He says, he says, this guy, this this guy's outside the covenant. He's not even, he's not even Jewish. He 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 didn't even didn't even know God in the way that the Jews would. He's the only one among them who returned to give thanks. And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. As I read this story, I had to wonder, where do I fit in the story? Where do I fit in the story? Where would you fit in the story? I mean, we would, we would all like to assume <laughs> that we'd be in the 10% that returned to praise Him and thank Him. 
but the odds are actually against us. <laughs> do you know what we do sometimes? We read stories in the Bible, and we tend to put ourselves in the hero spot. That's not really the way it works. <laughs> no, normally, we're, we're, not, we're, not in the, we're, we're not in the hero spot. Normally, we're, we're in there with the 90%. We're in there with a nine that we're so excited about our healing. We, hey, we, we got to get back home. We got a wife. We got a kid. We're so excited to see him. I'm, I understand. I understand. But, but Jesus said, where are the nine? I healed them all. But only one came back to thank me. As we've repeatedly said in this series, sometimes the only way to find a virtue is to first stumble over the antonym of it and first stumble over the opposite of it and like example we often find humility by first stumbling over our pride <laughs> that's how we find it like we fell over our own pride and then we while we were down there we're like oh wow there's humility <laughs> when i get ready to when i get ready to stand back up i ought to, ought to go ahead and take that humility and and carry that and value that it's the same way with gratitude. We find gratitude often by first stumbling over our ingratitude or even worse, our entitlement. Our entitlement. If there's a loud shout in America today, it's not usually one of gratitude. It's usually one of entitlement. Entitlement is the enemy of gratitude. Entitlement says, I deserve it, and you owe it to me. That's what entitlement says. Entitlement always focuses on what we don't have. Listen, I don't know who invented the participation trophy, but whoever did needs a spanking. <laughs> because, because they unleashed a spirit of entitlement and it's hurting us. Seriously, it's hurting us. You know why? Because entitlement blinds us to the blessings of God. We can be blessed all around us, but we can't see it if we're operating in a, in a spirit of entitlement. Friends, I, this might sting a little bit. You and I, we actually don't deserve anything. We don't. But God, who is rich in mercy, has blessed us in so many ways that He's looking for the nine. He's looking for the people who will recognize His goodness in our lives and then be thankful for it. I don't deserve His blessing in my life. I don't deserve my beautiful wife here. I don't deserve my wonderful children and grandchildren. I don't deserve to pastor this church. And someone will say, now, pastor, don't be so hard on yourself. You're a good man. No, I'm not! I'm wretched. I'm a depraved man. I actually don't deserve anything but hell. But God loved me enough to save me. And I'm reminded every day there's nothing good in me except Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm going to use the breath, the shout that's in me to thank Him for my wife, to thank Him for my kids and my grandkids, to thank Him from this church. I don't deserve those things. I am blessed with those things. And I know it. 
Gratitude sits at the very heart of the gospel. We did not get what we deserved. Jesus took what we deserved. He died in our place and then he blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He called us into his holy family. He gave each one of us a purpose on this planet and then he destined us to eternal life. Hell is what we deserve but instead he gave us his amazing grace. I wish somebody would praise him the morning you're worthy God you spared us from what we deserved and instead you gave us your grace entitlement listen there may be some things you don't like about our country and we should continually work to make it better can you say amen but with the same breath do you realize how blessed we are to live here? I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and teach my kids to hate our nation. I'm not going to do it. We're imperfect. We have issues. We have troubles. We need to continually work to make it better and become more Christ-like. But I'm not going to run down the nation that God decided I would live in. He just, do, do you realize the poorest of us listening this morning are rich compared to the vast majority of people in this world? From an economic standpoint, just about everyone in this room is in the top 2% of people in this world. Remember a few years ago when we, we did Occupy Wall Street and the protesters went and they were occupying the, you know, the 1% or the 2% that control all the wealth. I, I, okay, I understand all that. But do you realize if we come back and we look at the big picture, every one of us in this room is in the top 2%. The vast majority of the people on this planet live on less than a dollar a day. We ought to stop hating our country and start thanking God for what we have. You know, I started thinking this week about the things that we enjoy. Just in my lifetime, how things have changed. When I was a kid, eating out was a luxury. How many of you did not eat out every day? I mean, it was a luxury. It was special occasions. It was birthdays. It, I mean, it was, you know, you just didn't do it every day. And for my parents, they had way, way less than, than, than I've had. Uh, vacations used to be a luxury, not, not we're, we're like a right. <laughs> I talked to a woman this week, and she said she, she didn't grow up here, but her grandma lived here. They used to come. This was vacation for her and her family. They would come to Garrett County. They would go to stay at grandma's house and go to Swallow Falls. She said, I didn't even know there was a lake here. <laughs> Vacations were, were a, a luxury, not a right. A, few, a short time ago, I saw a family start a GoFundMe page so they could go to Disney World, and their expectation or explanation was every child has a right to experience the Magic Kingdom. What? What? Listen, I'm not mad at Mickey. Okay, and if you want to go and you've got the means to go, that's great. Take your kids and enjoy yourselves. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not mad at Mickey at all. 
But to start a GoFundMe and say that every child has a right to experience the magic kingdom, that's entitlement. That's entitlement. We are the richest, most prosperous country on the planet, and yet people want more. The entitlement spirit really concerns me. It really does. Because our, I see our nation racing towards socialism. Socialism looks like a great concept until you actually try to live it out. They tried it in the early church. They tried it. People sold their possessions. They brought everything to the apostles. The apostles were distributing it. And, and, and for a little while, a very little while, it seemed to work. And next thing you know, people started lying about how much money they had. They came to Peter. They said, we sold some land for this much money. Here it is. But really, they were lying to the Holy Spirit. They dropped dead. They carried them outside the church. That's where the tradition of the graveyard outside the church got started. And then pretty soon, it led to laziness. And the apostle Paul says, ho, 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 hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. New rules, new rules. Socialism is not working. New rules. If you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened. Now hear me, hear me. Some of you are going to send me emails. Don't waste your time. Every form of government has its ills and its oppressors. Every form. Because it's run by human hands. Okay, we'll not know true justice until King Jesus sets up his throne. Okay? And he will. And he will. And he will. All right? But, but I'm going to tell you this. As a nation, we do not want to go down the road of socialism. It will be a disaster. Because anytime you get something supposedly for free, you trade a freedom for it. You trade a freedom for it. It's not a good idea. Here's a better idea. Let's teach our children to be grateful for what they have and generous to those who have less. Let's teach our kids to be grateful for what they have and generous to those who have less. Because here, here's the deal. It's the natural bent of all of us to to be ungrateful, unthankful. How many have been enjoying this heat wave in Garrett County we've had this week? How many like that? All skinny people said they liked it. Chubby people, we don't like it so much. Okay, we, we, we sweat just thinking about it. Um, in our house, there's seven of us in our house, Patty and I. We still got five kids at home. Our oldest son, David, is on his own. Thank you, Lord. But anyway, um, so we, we've got... One, two, three, four. We have five bedrooms occupied because uh, Patty and I still share a room. Thank you, Lord. Um, and then two of our girls share a room. But we don't have central air. How many have central air? Let's go ahead and look at all you privileged people. Okay, whatever. Um, so we don't have central air, and we don't really, we don't have a lot of window units. We don't feel like you need it a lot in Garrett County. It's just a few days here and there. But this past week, you've needed it. Well, in five bedrooms, we have three box fans and and then and one of them was in our room patty and i's room but the girls room was getting really really hot and then one of the fans died and so now we're down five bedrooms and two fans 
and I'm telling you, um, my ingratitude started coming out. Okay, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm laying there the other night, and I'm sweating, and I'm trying to sleep, and I can't sleep when it's hot, and, and I'm just, I'm just start, I started thinking, I started comparing my life to somebody else's. Can we be honest this morning? Anyone ever do that? I started comparing my life to somebody else that I knew, and I started thinking about all the stuff this guy had. As I'm laying there, me, your pastor, I know you thought I would never do it. I was doing it. I was doing it. And, and so I'm just, I'm, starting to get, I'm, I'm just starting to get entitled. That's what I was getting. And so the next day I go to Walmart and I buy some fans. And now we're living in luxury. Everybody's got a fan in the house. There's five fans in the house. But as I'm laying there that next night, I started thinking about the previous night and how I was there being ungrateful. And, and I just felt like the Lord said, David, thank me for your fan. Do you know how many people in the world would love to have my $17.88 fan? Do you know how many people in the world would love to have something to plug it into? See, I've been to Africa. I've seen the way that people live. I've seen poverty. I know what poverty is. Do you know how many people in the world would love to have the bed that I'm laying there tossing and turning in? I don't deserve central air. Listen, don't feel sorry for me. I could get central air if I wanted it, but my wife wouldn't let me turn it off. So it's not a matter of not being able to afford it. It's a matter that she's a bully. I live with a bully. But I was so convicted because there are millions of people who'd love to have my fan. And I was lusting over my buddy's central air. Our default position is to be ungrateful. Church, I don't want any of us to leave here condemned today. That's, that's not the answer. But I do want us to practice gratitude. Not guilt, but gratitude. We're not into virtue shaming. But I pray as we leave here today, we're inspired to fall at the feet of Jesus and thank Him for what he's done in our lives. How do, we, how do we do that? Let's talk about some real practical ways as we get ready to close. At some point each day, maybe several points each day, slow down and just think about the goodness of God in your life. You see, entitlement steals the ability to live in the moment. Entitlement forces you to either look back at the way things used to be or, or to look ahead at the things you don't have yet. But gratitude enables us to enjoy today. Gratitude says, this is my life, and I'm going to thank God for it right now. Gratitude enables us to live in the moment. Here's another way, prayer. Prayer. It is amazing to me. Jesus Christ, the miracle worker, the Son of God, takes a two-piece fish dinner, And he's about to feed 5,000 men plus the women and children. He's going to work a miracle. There's there's no lack, okay, because he's going to multiply this food. But before he does it, he tells everyone, sit down on the ground. He takes a two-piece of fish dinner. He lifts it up to his God, his Father God. He breaks it, and he gives thanks for it. What? 
He prayed before he did that. He gave thanks for that. The Apostle Paul is on a ship that's about ready to go down. It's falling apart, this ship. They've been at sea. They've been in a storm for days. The guys are hungry. They've thrown their supplies uh, overboard. They're trying to fight for their lives, and, and they've got a little bit of rations left. And Paul says, listen, in the middle of this ship, it's going like this. It's going crazy. It's falling apart. He says, listen, guys, we all need to take some food for the rest of this journey. But before we do, let's pray. What? Like how many of us can't get through the drive-through without digging into our nuggets? If just we pray over our meals, that would give us three, okay, six times a day <laughs> that we could be thankful, express our gratitude to God. Here's another one. Be generous intentionally generous not occasionally not accidentally generous be regularly generous tithe give offerings give alms watch for needs around you I was texting with a guy in our church this week and he's been very supportive and helped us with the building and and I said hey I just want to thank you for your generosity it means so much and he said, hey, my wife and I remember what it was like to go to the local fire department and stand in line for the free cheese. He said, but we made a commitment years ago to become generous. And now God has blessed us more than we can ever imagine. It's our honor to worship God with our money. You want to practice gratitude? Be generous. Here's another one. Don't insulate yourself. There are people all around us that have needs. Don't be a person that turns a blind eye to the needs of your neighbor. Here's a real practical step. I always encourage people, encourage myself. Be friends with someone who makes less money than you. I'm going to say that again. Because you know what we do. We tend to hang out with people in the same kind of social economic status as us, and we forget about the rest of the world. Be friends with someone who makes less money than you. I'll never forget, took a men to a Promise Keepers, uh, took a group of men to a Promise Keepers event a number of years ago in Pittsburgh, and it was a great event. It was a long day, and we're riding home, and we need to, we need to stop and get something to eat somewhere. And... Uh, and one of the guys, I said, hey, anyone, you know, have a suggestion where you want to stop and eat? And one of the guys suggested this steakhouse. Now, I had never been to the steakhouse, but it had a reputation of, of being a really, really good steakhouse. And you know what's true about really, really good steakhouses. They're really, really expensive, right? And, and one of his friends was like, oh, yeah, man, that place is great. It's fantastic. But as I'm driving, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I know those two guys are pretty well off, and I'm not mad at them, okay? I'm, I'm glad that they, they're well off, but I'm looking at the other eight or ten guys in the van, and I know none of them can afford to eat where those guys want to eat. And at the time, <laughs> at the time, I was one of them, and I was like, uh, you know, it's probably going to take a long time, and we're tired. How about McDonald's? <laughs> Again, everyone understand me? Those guys didn't do anything wrong by wanting to stop at the steakhouse. 
but they were kind of insulated. They didn't realize the people around them would not have been able to eat at that same restaurant. Do life with someone who has less than you. It will be good for your soul. Somebody say amen. And do life with somebody who has more for you because that'll be good for your mind. Somebody say amen. And here's the last thing. Express your gratitude to those you love. At home, how simple it is to say thank you. Like how often do we do that? Sometimes when we make dinner, our kids will say, hey, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mom. That's awesome. How often do we thank our spouses? How often do we thank our kids? How often do they thank us? On the job, you see someone doing a good job or they're kind to you, they're generous, thank them in our community. Friday night, uh, our, our kids, our two girls, oldest girls play softball and Patty's one of the coaches and, and, and Wayne standing back there today, he's, he's one of the coaches. And we had a double header and so it's a long night, and then plus there's a rain. Well, they played in the rain, but there's lightning delay. And so, I mean, we're there a long time. And these coaches, they're volunteer, you know. And, uh, and so we're there just a long time. The girls are soaking wet. The coaches are soaking wet. Finally, the game's over, packing everything up. I'm, I'm over in the van. I've got the hatch open because they're bringing some stuff over. And I hear my two girls separately tell Wayne, thank you so much, sir. I hear the next one, little voice. Thank you so much, sir. I'm telling you, at that point, my girls could have asked for anything they wanted and I'd have tried to get it for them. It melted my heart to hear gratitude come out of their mouths. Let's be like that. We stand with us today. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. Father, we love you. You're so good to us, Lord. And Father, we want to be people of virtue. So we search through your word and we look at things like honor and humility and today gratitude. We want to be the one. We want to be the one who comes back and thanks you. So would you work that heart in us today? We give you thanks and praise now.